You're listening to The Gathering Church Podcast, located in Asheville, North Carolina. The Gathering is a place where you can belong before you believe. To find out more, visit gatherashville.org. Good morning and welcome to The Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor And it's so good to have you guys with us here today. Welcome, welcome to everybody joining us online. We're so honored to have you here as well. Man, it's good to be back. Last Sunday I was out, we were celebrating Thanksgiving and, and, and Mikey Holmes delivered an incredible message. If you were not here, can we honor Mikey? Mikey did such a good job. And it, it, I, I mean, he's our student director. He does such an amazing job in so many areas that you, you just don't even get to see for our church. Mikey does a lot more than students, but he also invests in our students so well. And man, we're just so, we just love him so much and we're so grateful. So it was so good last week. If you missed it, go check it out online or on our podcast. Well, today, before we get into the message, we, today is the day that we're collecting our legacy offering. Every year, at the end of the year, we do a year-end giving initiative that really is about us making the steps that we need, setting out the preparation that we need to leave a lasting legacy here in our city. It's an offering just designed to accelerate our mission and vision in our city and around the world. And so uh, we've been talking a little bit about that offering as, we, as we've been getting ready for it because my, my my desire is never to, uh, to pressure you into giving, to spring these things on you past the plate two or three times while I try to preach that offering up as much as I can. My, my, uh, our hope as a church is that instead of being pressured into giving, that we could give you the information and the opportunity and the time to pray and plan and prepare and to ask God. Well, we, we've talked about how this year is, is a strange year to be having a year-end giving initiative. We know that this has been a hard year financially for our community. In fact, at the beginning of this year, after an incredible legacy offering last year, at the beginning of this year, our church was making plans uh, and steps. I mean, we had architects drawings, making drawings for us. We were making plans to establish a permanent home for our church. And then COVID happened. And just like everyone else, we have felt the pinch of that season. However, we restructured our focus financially as a church and have not dropped a single partnership, have not cut back on a single missionary. In fact, we've added thousands of dollars to our local giving to make sure that as a church, we are able to make as big of an impact during a difficult time as we possibly can. Just this year, we've given over $40,000 to local organizations, missions, church planning, and things that we believe matters. Yes. That thank you so much for your generosity so that we can do that. And so uh, our, our goal with this legacy offering is to do more of that. We, we have such incredible partnerships that we're excited about blessing with this offering. The Asheville Dream Center started a ministry in the middle of a global pandemic. They didn't do it because the funding was in great, was in excess. They did it because the need was in excess. They came to meet needs in this city and 
we want to be able to show up for them in this season and bless them and say, we see you, we're with you. We want to be a part of this ministry together and help them finish well. Uh, Rutherford Bunda in Malawi, a missionary that we support, has not stopped serving his community, even though more than half of his funding has started to dwindle this year as the COVID crisis has hit the entire world. He's still putting fresh water in villages. He's still training church planters. He's still serving women who've been left behind by their communities. He's still doing all of this. And we want to be the church that shows up and says, we see you and we're here and we're in this with you together. And so, uh, and then finally, the third legacy lane today is to begin to establish or to continue to establish uh, the infrastructure, the, the, the fund that we need to begin looking for a permanent home for the gathering church. If this year has done anything for us as a church, it has firmly established that no matter what happens in our community, no matter what happens in the world around us, the gathering isn't going anywhere. This church is here to stay, and we are not just here to make an impact on this generation. We're here to make an impact on the generations that follow. We believe that now more than ever, our, our role in this community has great importance, that there is need for great local churches in our city, and ours is here to stay. And we want to take one more step closer to that permanence by beginning to move into a facility where we can not just do services one day a week, but rather where we can do ministry seven days a week, where we can be an established home for the people in our community to begin to really serve in ways that we've only just begun to imagine. And so uh, as we uh, give in our legacy offering this year, our, our three legacy lanes are to the Asheville Dream Center, to the, the work that Rutherford is doing in Malawi, and then to begin to establish or to continue to establish what we're calling an exploration fund. Our hope is to secure this exploration fund so that we have the freedom to move quickly when the right space becomes available. There's a lot of spaces becoming available in this season, and as a church, we want to be able to lean into those opportunities and be ready when that opportunity comes. We're not going to be passing any buckets, and so if you want to participate in the legacy offering today, then you can go online to give, and if you go to our actual website, there's a drop-down menu right under the amount that has the fund, and you can choose legacy offering there and give to the legacy offering. Thank you for being the generous church that you are. You really uh, do give so generously. You have continued to do so through this season. We're so honored to be in this together with you, and we're so excited for whatever's coming next. Well, today we're wrapping up our series called All That Matters. All That Matters. All That Matters. Last week, Mikey gave a really great message, and if you missed it, you got to go check it out. And, and, but today, as I wrap up, I just want to spend one Sunday in this series uh, as we close talking about our perspective. In fact, adjusting our perspective from where we are right now to what's coming next. We talk about a simple spiritual pathway a lot here at the Gathering Church. We want people to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. And ultimately, we believe that the purpose of our lives is to make a difference. 
So throughout this series, we've talked about how we pursue all that matters and make a difference, and we've talked about letting go of the things that don't matter. And this week, what I want to talk about is the reward, the reward. Uh, I, I want to talk about what's coming next. Paul writes these instructions to a young pastor named Timothy, and we've looked at this a couple times in this series already, but I want to highlight something at the end of this passage. He says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyments. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds, what we talked about last week, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Let's sit here at verse 19 today. This idea about the treasure that we're laying up for the coming age. Paul tells us, that learning to live well now, learning how to be generous and how to serve others and how to live outside of ourselves now in this life makes a difference in the coming age. He makes this point more than once throughout his letters. In fact, he, he talks about this quite a bit. And Jesus also talks about this in his teachings. He talks about a coming age over and over again because Jesus, just as Paul was doing here, wanted to shift our perspective from the immediate to the eternal. I want to talk about what's next today. Because if there was ever a good time to talk about Judgment Day, it's 2020. Am I right? This could be happening any minute now. It could be, it could be coming any minute. This year has shifted our perspective on a lot of things. It has shifted our perspective on what really matters, on, on what's important, on what deserves our time, what doesn't deserve our time. And, and as we have our perspective shifted every way, I think it's important that as a church— we talked for a minute on how our perspectives should be shifting towards the eternal. I want to talk about heaven for a minute this morning. I want to talk about heaven because heaven is a primary motivator for the way that we live as followers of Jesus. It's the reward that's been promised. It's the thing that's supposed to be coming next. And I don't think we talk about heaven enough. I don't think we talk about what happens after we die enough because we're fixated on here and now, on what we can see over what we can't see. And if you add into that confusion around what heaven is and what it looks like and the uncomfortable reality about the existence of hell, it becomes a perfect recipe for avoidance, our favorite tactic with things that make us uncomfortable. We avoid this topic. We don't talk about it much. Maybe, maybe you don't think about it often. You just know there's something there, and, and so let me live now like it matters then, but I'm not really going to entertain too much thought about what it actually looks like. In our culture, we're obsessed with staying on this earth as long as possible. We think about it all the time as, a, as, as not just our culture, but as the culture of humanity. We've always been obsessed with this idea. That's partly because we simply don't understand heaven and the eternal. I think it was Hank Williams Jr. that said, if heaven ain't a lot like Dixie, then I don't want to go. That was funny. <laughs> 
Because we don't understand. We think, well, I don't know about heaven. I don't know if it's going to be me sitting on a cloud playing a harp all day. It sounds super boring. And I don't know if I want to go somewhere that's super boring or, or where I just have to be a drone living, floating around and doing weird stuff. I don't know if I would rather be somewhere in, in Dixie with Hank Williams Jr. I don't know. I'm sorry for referencing Hank Williams Jr., guys. I won't do it again. So Hank Williams Jr. said, no, I'm just kidding. We have this image of heaven being this place in the clouds where we wear white robes and we don't really know what our existence is going to be about. But I don't believe that that's what heaven is. I don't think that's the, the picture that the Bible paints. I don't think that's the story that the Bible tells about what happens next. Heaven isn't boring or weird. In fact, I believe heaven is the ultimate adventure. That it's a place of infinite peace and joy, but also of life and life without pain, and life without suffering, and life without sin, that in that place is what we were made to experience. I believe there is so much more to this life than just this life. Our generation has grasped onto this idea of living life to the fullest right now because that's all we've got. This is all we've got, so let's do everything that feels good right now. Let's live life to the fullest right now because YOLO, you only live once. I'm gonna change it today to YOLT. We're gonna start shouting out YOLT all the time. You only live twice. This, my jokes aren't getting any, that was the best joke I wrote for today. They're not getting any better from here. They're only gonna get worse. YOLT. We're gonna, Mikey, are you in here? Can you come finish this for me? Um, Yolt, you only live twice. I want to shift our perspective from living the life to the fullest because this is all we got to living our lives to the fullest inside of our purpose, doing the things we were created and made to do because this isn't all we've got. There's more. Something comes next. I think it's okay to enjoy what is good in this life, but not at the expense of doing what really matters in light of the next one, because there is definitely a next one. And every living person has something inside of them that knows that. Ecclesiastes chapter 311 says, God has already set eternity into your hearts. And this is why in every culture since the dawn of man, there have been an idea of an afterlife. This is why everybody at some point in their lives, regardless of where they go and what they decide and what path they choose, at some point in our lives, we all wonder what's next. What happens after this? What happens when I die? Where do they go? Where will I go? It's set in our hearts from the moment we were created. And so we all begin to wonder. And God set that in our hearts because he had a purpose in mind for us. He did it because he had a plan in mind for us. And maybe this year more than ever, you've been thinking about what's next. If the world is ending, what's going to happen? In a season where sickness is in the topic of so many conversations, well, what does happen to me when I die? I want to just try to demystify it for you today. Just for a moment, I want to do a quick study in eschatology, the study of the last things. That's the biggest word I know. And I will tell you what I believe, and, 
And then it, this is a rich, this, this area of theology is one of the most complicated and hard to understand. I'm going to just try to simplify it as much as I can and share with you what I believe in this area of theology. And so Hebrews 9.27 starts things off. It says, just as people are destined to die once and after that face judgment. And so you are going to die. This is the first part of eschatology. This is a bummer. And it's not, uh, listen, next week and for the weeks that follow, we're getting into the Christmas season and I'm going to be talking about the gospel message and Jesus and all kinds of joy and Yuletide fun. But for a minute, let's just, let's just, let's sit in this idea that life is finite, that we're going to die, that it, it, that it happens. There is an end. And it's something that our minds intentionally avoid until we get close to it or we've been brushed by it. We just, we just don't even think of it as a possibility, but it happens. And after we've died, at some point, which will seem like a moment to us, God will call every person who has ever lived back from the dead to go face to face for a final judgment. I know that it may seem like this long thing, our lives, maybe if you've invested someone you really care about into eternity, the time between when they were gone and when you go feels so long. But when that day comes, it's just going to feel like an instant, like a moment. And we'll be going face to face for what the Bible calls the first judgment. And in that moment, God is going to ask you one question. And this is going to be the moment, the judgment that decides if you go from either to heaven or to hell. The Bible is really clear about what the question is and what happens at that first judgment. And this judgment is not going to be about the sin that you have in your life. God is not going to ask you about the mistakes that you've made. He's not going to ask you about all the people you let down or the way that you failed. He's not going to ask you about the things you squandered. Instead, he's going to look at you and say, what did you do with my son, Jesus? Because Jesus paid it all. Every sin, every mistake, every wrongdoing of your life was washed away through his blood on the cross. It's done. So you will face judgment, but God only has one question for you in that moment. What did you do with my son, Jesus? And so, just trying really hard not to make a Mario joke. <laughs> so hard. <sighs> Help me, Robbie. He's going to ask you what you did with his son. Did you receive the gift of salvation offered through him and follow him with all of your life or did you not? It's yes or no. Did you say yes when Jesus offered you his hand or did you say no? If you say yes, that's it. It's done. You get sorted into the group that is going to spend eternity in paradise. That's the good news today. That's the really good news today is that the first judgment is a very simple one. What did you do with my son, Jesus? And if the answer is yes, you get to go into heaven. And heaven is less than a city in the clouds and more like the earth recreated to resemble Eden, perfect 
and beautiful. And then the scripture talks a lot about a second judgment. And so this is what I want to clarify today, because this is all throughout the Bible. This appears, this idea. And this second judgment doesn't determine whether or not you're going to heaven. Instead, it's related to what happens when you get there. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for us, due to us, for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So this is a second seat of judgment that doesn't determine whether or not you go to heaven, but the best we can understand, it determines what happens when you get there. Jesus says this in Matthew 16, 27, for the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. When he comes for you, which he will, when he comes, he has rewards in his hands, in mind, for what we have done. The idea is consistent throughout Scripture. He's watching. And there is a reward for all of your sacrifice and your generosity and for your service. So when you serve in kids' ministry for five weeks with no breaks and you don't get to attend service, he sees you. He's got a reward in mind for you. When you give and nobody ever sees it or knows it, he sees you. He's got a reward in mind for you. When you go out of your way to make somebody feel seen or wanted, he sees you. He's got a reward in mind for you. This is very good news. This is very good news. And this is so important in Scripture that it shows up at the very end of the narrative. Jesus reiterates this in Revelation. In the, the last page of your Bible, he talks about this. He says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. So there is a reward coming for the way that we serve. Now, here's what I believe. I believe that we serve for three very important reasons. I believe the first reason is because it's what you were made to do. You know, we teach purpose a lot here at the gathering because I think it's so relevant to who we are and where we are right now. I believe you were created with a purpose in your heart and God set in your heart a desire to know that purpose, to live in that purpose, and to serve in that purpose. And until you discover it and begin to live in it, you are wanting all of your life. You're hungry for it. You're searching. You feel empty. You feel that familiar pain of, isn't there more than this? And the answer is yes, you were made to serve others. So the first reason is because it's what we were made to do. It's what we were made to do, and it's what gives us fulfillment. And the second reason is as a response, as a response to the way that Christ has served and loved us. You know, my marriage works best when Raelle and I love each other out of response to the way the other one loves Instead of one of us always giving the love, giving the service, doing what we can to honor one another, if I just focus on me showing her as much value, love, and service as possible, she will respond to that. That's a little free marriage advice in a message about judgment, okay? The same is true in our relationship with Christ. We don't just serve because there's a reward coming. We serve because of what he's done for us. 
because he gave himself for us. He, he showed us love in the most pure way that someone can express love. He gave his life for us. And so we respond to that in serving and in giving our lives to him. But the third reason, which is a big reason, an important reason that we serve, that we live the way we were made to live is because the Bible tells us there is a reward in heaven on the other side for it. And it's okay. There's no shame in being sometimes motivated by the same thing that my five-year-old is motivated by, a reward. There is a reward coming. That is the, the gist of this biblical principle that I want us to understand today, that the Bible teaches two judgments. One, what did you do with Jesus? And the second, what did you do once you knew him? And what, what I want to talk about now is what we should do with that knowledge in mind. A couple concepts for us to remember. First, we've got to remember that we're just passing through. I'm just passing through. I'm just, so many people spend this life fixated on things that are temporary in this life. We obsess over food, money, possessions, cars that we'll get rid of in a year or two, homes that we'll sell, hobbies that we will definitely abandon. We fixate on these things and we forget to live in light of what actually matters. I think it's time to shift our focus to remember that we are only passing through this life. Philippians 3.18. And Paul is a little harsh here. Remember, these are his words, not mine. For, as I have often told you before, and now I tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, and their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on the earthly things. They've got the wrong perspective. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let your God be your stomach. What a fickle thing, an appetite. Several times a day, I go from being starving to satisfied, right back to starving again. Focusing your attention on earthly things is exactly the same. Possessions, authority, influence, even people will satisfy you in one moment and leave you starving in the next. When we fix our attention on heaven and on Jesus and on the purpose he's made us with, it's different. It satisfies completely and eternally. Set your heart and your mind on eternity and work in this life in light of the next one. The second concept is that my time on earth is short. I'm not trying to be a downer on your Sunday. We'll start talking about Christmas again next week. It's going to be great. Get some wise men up in here. It's going to be awesome. We've got a real camel coming into the Y. But listen, your life is short. James 4.14 says, why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist, a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Like tea coming out of it, like a steam coming out of a tea kettle. Just there and gone. I'm going to show you something. This is a, I, I don't do a lot of illustrations, so this is clunky. But I saw Francis Chan do this once, and I just think it's the best way to illustrate it. I got a rope here. This is your life right now. This is everything that follows. 
You see, we, we get so fixated on this part because it's what we can see right now. It's what we have a perspective of. But our life is so short in light of eternity. We will go on to exist for eternity. We go on and on and on and on. And our minds in this season don't even have the ability to grasp how big this is. And so we have got to constantly remind ourselves, adjust ourselves, shift ourselves to get the idea that our time on earth is short and eternity is, is infinite. We have so much time there than here. We are a vapor in a mist. I believe context matters. A couple of weeks ago, I said the gospel is urgent. This is why. Because you have this amount of time to live for the gospel, to communicate the gospel, and to get the gospel into as many hearts and minds as possible. And then how you do there determines what happens in all of this. It matters. It matters. Our life on earth is so short. Okay, there's my illustration for the year. The last, the last concept to remember is I should make the most out of every opportunity. Out of every opportunity. You get so many opportunities to make a difference in the lives of others. And oftentimes we choose to ignore those opportunities out of what is convenient or what is not convenient for me. What does or what does not cost for me. We choose to let those opportunities pass because we've got time or because I don't have enough time. I got to do these other things. I got, I got work projects, school. I got so many things going on. I don't have time for this opportunity right now. We miss these opportunities. Ephesians 5.15 says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days of, are evil. The days are evil. They will betray you. The days will disappear before you know it. You have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day or the next day. The days can't be trusted, and so make the most of every opportunity you have now because the consequences ring out over eternity. Our opportunity in this life is like a window that just opens and then closes. And we may live forever, but we only have this short window of time to make a difference in this life and to make sure as many people as possible come with us into the next one. And that's why it's so important to make a difference by serving in our purpose. Because one day we'll give an account for it. Paul says this about the second judgment. 1 Corinthians three thirteen, Their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it into light. It will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Verse 15 does affirm this idea that the second judgment is not about whether or not you go to heaven, but rather what happens when you get there. Do you want to enter in to great reward, or do you want to enter in as one who just barely escaped through the flames? And Paul talks about what we've built here being tested. Here's what I think he means. I think that Paul is suggesting that it is possible to do good things that don't last. It's possible to do good things that don't last. They're still good things. They still make a difference in somebody's life. But if they don't last, then there is a difference. To feed the poor 
We can help the homeless. We can serve our community, but we can do it in a way that doesn't meet the deepest need of all, which is their spiritual needs. And that's why as a church, we're passionate about partnering with organizations that don't just feed people, but feed them in Jesus' name. We believe it's not just enough to be kind in our community, but that it's important to be kind in Jesus' name. That it's not just enough to help people to get free from addiction, but that we need to get them free in Jesus' name. Because we don't want to just build something that is good now, but we want to build something that can last through the fire, something that we can be tested and stand in eternity. And the only thing that lasts is what we do in Jesus' name. Making sure that as we serve and as we give of ourselves, we do it in such a way that doesn't point people to how good we are, but points people to how good God is. That's why, as a church, we put such a, a position of prominence on how we serve in a way that communicates the gospel. It's why we so carefully select every partnership, because there's so many good partnerships that we could have. So many people who do great things for other people, but we want it to be things that last in eternity. And so it's got to be done in Jesus' name. And so here's three ways that we can put all this into practice today. How we take action, how we go from believing that it's important to live in light of eternity, to know that our time is short, to take advantage of these opportunities and put it in. I just want to get real practical as we close today. First, go through life looking up, not looking around. Go through life looking up, not looking around. Don't be so enamored with your career that you lose sight of what's next. Don't become so obsessed with what you're building here that you forget to build something that is going to make a difference there. Earth and all of its trappings will only ever disappoint you. So join us in this mission to build something in our city that isn't about me and isn't just for today, but it's about God and it's for eternity. Hebrews 11 says this about Moses, verse 25. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He, disregard, he regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than all the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. He had this great career set up for him and instead he pursued something else, something that would create a bigger impact. And I think that it's easy for us in this life to get distracted by the many, many good things in this life. And it slows us down on doing what we were made to do and making an impact that is not just temporary but is eternal. As followers of Jesus, we need to keep our eyes fixed on what is ahead, not what on not on what is around us. You may not reach the pinnacle of this life in this life because of the way you devote yourself to the next one. And I think that's okay. I think it's worth sacrificing here so that you gain more there. If you're coming to a moment where you have to choose to sacrifice, do I sacrifice in my career? Do I sacrifice in my future? Do I sacrifice in what I want? Do I sacrifice in this goal here? Or do I sacrifice in my ability to give all that I am to bring as many people into heaven as I can? I believe the choice for us as followers of Jesus is always clear. It may never be easy, but it is always clear. Second, give up something I want now for something I want later. 
This is a good life principle and something I've struggled with since I was three years old. The idea of delayed gratification. The idea of instead of uh, uh, getting something okay now, why don't I get something great later? I struggle with this. Amazon Prime isn't fast enough for me. I want Amazon right now. Get it over. I'm still going to Walmart because you can buy it, take it home. I want to hit click and a guy's outside with a box. But that's not what serves best. It's a good principle for us to learn in this culture and in this season, this idea of putting off something today so that I can have something better tomorrow. And it's a good eternal principle as well. It said, Jesus says this, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store up your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will also be. I teach that verse a lot because I think it's so important for us to understand where I invest my finances, where I invest my time, where I invest my ability, my heart is going to go to that place. So make sure that it is somewhere you want to go. If you sacrifice now so that you can sow it into eternity, it is always worth it. I may not make six figures here on this earth, but I will invest in the kingdom of heaven because the treasure I desire is not silver or gold. The treasure is the people I get to bring with me. And the last thing today, as we close, is we're going to intentionally make a difference. In light of eternity, in light of the brevity of this life and the length of the next one, intentionally make a difference. Because this is a make a difference series, and we gave a series on making a difference because making a difference is not something that comes naturally. It's not something that you're just going to wake up and do without trying too hard. It's always intentional. It happens when you're intentional about it. Making a difference is what you are made for, but our enemy will do everything he can to distract you from it with just the simplest things, with good things. I think he's got a, a strategy of distracting us from the eternal with good things that are temporary, getting in our way, always stopping us from doing what we were made to do. You have to intentionally make a plan to make it happen, to make a difference. I know that this is the third time I've said this, but three little things you can do to intentionally make a difference. First, intentionally share your resources. Become a priority percentage giver. And my wife and I have valued this idea long before we were pastors, long before we were in ministry. And it's made a huge difference in our hearts. Our hearts follow. Our finances follow. Who we are as a family, the culture of our family has been informed by this principle. As a church, we follow this principle. Our church tithes outside of itself to church planning and to local organizations and to missions and missionaries because we believe in it. We believe in this idea of intentionally sacrificing what we have for the sake of eternity. We don't just want to use our money. We want to sow it into things that are eternal where it will grow. Second, intentionally share my time. 
intentionally share my time, make a plan, get on the dream team, be a part of what God is doing right here in this space or beyond through our online ministry now. We can, we can reach more people and we can do it safely, but we need you to do it. We need you to say yes, to sacrifice, to do something uncomfortable, to be a part of it. We can open more classrooms for kids, but we need you to do it. We can make people feel seen while we're still wearing masks and keeping a distance. We can, but we need you to do it. We can make an impact in a neighborhood through Adopt the Block at the Dream Center, but we need you to do it. Be a part of building something that will last, that will go through the fire and remain standing. Finally, make a plan to make a difference by intentionally sharing Christ. You've got to get comfortable telling people how Jesus has changed your life. You're going to have to tell that story in eternity to the one who made you. You might as well get some practice in now by telling people who you're going to see every single day who are going to have that same meeting. Because there is another way it can go. And that one is very uncomfortable to talk about. But it's real. And we, we have this incredible opportunity, this incredible gift to be able to be the one that steps in the way. To show them the one who got in their way. We get to do that. And so get comfortable telling people the way that it's, you don't have to be a theologian or a scholar or a public speaker to intentionally share Jesus. You just have to have a story, which you do. If you follow Jesus, you have a story about the way he's changed you, transformed you, called you, set you apart. And I, I, I will tell you that the more you share that story, the easier it gets to tell. And it's powerful. And nobody can argue with what God has done in your life because it's what he's done in your life. You don't have to go into an apologetic battle where you're defending scripture in all these ways. All you have to do is say, no, I was one way. And then I met Jesus. And now I'm a different way. Let me tell you about it. Intentionally share. Get comfortable with sharing your story. And at the gathering, we try to make this easy for you by creating an environment where you're not embarrassed to bring your friends, by creating environments that are warm and welcoming and where people can walk right in and feel like they're a part of something. That's what we want, is for you to be able to share your story. And then you get to that awkward closing moment, right? What do I do now? Do I, is there a prayer written in the back of my Bible? What's the right thing? We want to give you an easy next step. Just to bring them. Bring them here. Say, hey, would you just like to come to church with me this Sunday? Would you like to come over to my house and watch online with me this Sunday? Would you like to just do this? It's not weird. Nobody's going to make you stand up. We don't make all visitors stand and introduce yourselves. It doesn't happen here. No, you get to come and worship and experience what it feels like when the people of God enter into his presence. And then we're, we're going to talk about him. And then at the end, this is what happens. And you get to look at the friend that you brought next to you 
while I do this part. If you're here today and all your life you felt like there was something more, like there was something next, like this wasn't it, like you have eternity set into your heart, I need you to hear me telling you today that all you have to do to enter into it, the only answer God is going to ask you is what did you do with my son, Jesus? And all you have to do is just say yes to the sacrifice, to the gift that he's offering you, that has already been done for you. Starts with a simple prayer to enter into a relationship that will transform you for eternity. And if you're in here today and you're ready to make that decision to say that prayer, if you're ready to do that, would you pray with me right now? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Heavenly Father, thank you for making a way for me to enter into heaven. Thank you for making it so easy for me, for doing the work for me, for doing what I never could. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for every mistake I've ever made and forgive me for trying to do this on my own. I give myself to you. I will follow you wherever you will lead me. I am yours. And in Jesus' name, amen. And that's it. I have this image in my mind. And you can have yours. It doesn't have to be the same as mine. But at the end, I go through that moment. And I get to, I get to experience what it feels like to have someone take my punishment for me in person. And then, and then I just kind of imagine like, like, a, like a holding, like a waiting room. And just kind of going, I sit in this waiting room with the chairs with the wooden armrests. And then I hear my name, John Mark Redwine, Jr., because my dad's just gone in front of me. And I walk around the corner. And Jesus is standing there. And he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come and enter into what I have prepared for you. I just want for us as a church to come into that moment ready with everything that we can do to get there well. For the next three weeks, I'm going to be talking about Jesus and sharing the gospel. It's a great time for you to bring your friends. It's a great time for you to share the link online. It's a great time for you to be the one who intercedes on behalf of someone else's eternity. This is the time in the service before I just keep preaching forever where we respond. So would you stand up with me? The Gathering Church Podcast is produced by the Gathering Church creative team. Want to get involved? Fill out a connect card online at gatherashville.org. Find us on Facebook at The Gathering Church or on Instagram at Gather Asheville.